It's nighttime, and we find ourselves on a bridge in Los Angeles. The music is pumping, and the assembled crowd is cheering. And in the center of all the action, two cars, street racers. One is covered in red flames with the name Blaze splashed across its side. The other car, a little more low-key. It's a gray sports car with tinted windows, tinted so dark that we can't see who is driving it. With the wave of the starter's flag, the cars take off down the bridge. The engines are revving as the cars are locked in a dead heat. Suddenly, we can hear the loud sirens of police cars. The crowd begins to scatter, and Blaze comes to a screeching halt. But the gray car, with the tinted windows, it doesn't stop. It doesn't even slow down. Instead, it swerves past the police cars and onto the open streets. And once it hits the roads, we can see there's now another car directly in its path. The driver of that car is just an innocent bystander, someone out for a late-night drive who now finds himself honking his horn frantically as the gray sports car speeds closer and closer. And rather than swerve away, the gray sports car instead drives directly towards the other vehicle, smashing into it head-on, killing the innocent driver on impact. And as for the driver of the gray car with the tinted windows, well, when the police finally catch up to it, they find it empty. And not because the driver got away, but because there was never a driver in it in the first place. At least, not physically. You see, this car had been hacked. Stolen from someone's garage and controlled remotely by a hacker who not only loved to race, but loved to crash. And all from the risk-free perch of his laptop. This scene is from the now-canceled TV show CSI Cyber, another spin-off show from the seemingly endless CSI franchise. And admittedly, the episode is full of totally over-the-top doom-and-gloom dramatics, but still, given where car technology is going, I'm left asking myself, is there any part of the scenario that's actually possible? And honestly, I don't know the answer, but I can tell you this, it does scare the hell out of me. Doing some research for this, I came across a few things. A couple of years ago, while driving a Jeep, a reporter from Wired magazine had his car brakes killed on the highway by two hackers operating remotely. The reporter almost had a meltdown, and the hackers proved in a big, big way that car hacking, at least to some degree, was in fact possible. And last year, the Chinese firm Tencent revealed that they could burrow through the Wi-Fi connection of a Tesla S all the way through to its driving systems. They exposed a whole chain of security problems, which caused Tesla to rethink what had previously been considered an incredibly safe car. So as we head straight towards our brave new world of self-driving cars, I gotta ask, how worried should we really be? We're about to find out. Welcome to Hackable, a podcast from McAfee. This computer is on the job around the clock in case of attack. Their principal target is you. The design is complete. But will it work? Shake hands with danger. I'm Jeff Siskin, and I'm here with Bruce Snell, the cybersecurity and privacy director for McAfee. And Bruce, in a few minutes, we're going to attempt a live car hacking demonstration which I have to admit I'm totally terrified of. But before we, before we do that, I got a couple questions for you. Sure. 
I don't know if you've seen it, but there's an episode uh, from the CSI franchise, CSI Cyber, which I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know existed before we started to do research for the show, um, where a hacker named Smokescreen is able to take over cars and drive them completely remotely. Like he's able to see out of the front window and the back window. Nice. My question to you, my friend, how crazy an idea is that? Let's let's ignore the obvious fact that I don't think Mr. Smokescreen could uh, probably see out the windows. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. You know. So so no no visual. No visual. No visual. And you know there there have been some hacks um, against automotive. You know against cars, and, and we have to really start thinking about cars as basically large computers. Um, you know I'm I'm a little bit of a, a hobbyist, so I have a, a 1965 Mustang. And then nice. for a while, I had a, a 2006 Mustang, right? And working on those two cars was completely different, right? So for the 1965, you go in and you tinker around all day and you physically manipulate things. But for the 2006, you know, there's a little port underneath that they use to check and see what the, in, you know, the engine diagnostics are saying. Uh, you can very easily plug into that little port and actually overwrite the programming on the car. So... I, I'm now retiring my 10-year-old Honda Accord, <laughs> which is, you know, the ultimate family car. Yeah. Uh, and I've upgraded it to, to you know, even more of a family car. I just bought myself the Subaru Forester. Oh, fantastic. Uh, very, very practical. Um, but also, you know, for a mid-range car, it has all these super cool things. It, 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 you know, if you're swerving out of the lane, it can readjust you. It tells, it can apparently stop you from hitting things going forward or backwards at slow speeds, at uh -huh. uh, blind spot control. It, it feels to me that, you know, this car isn't self-driving, but it's getting close. We're, we're definitely going in the direction of self-driving cars, you know, and I'm actually a big, big supporter of that. Uh, you know, I think it'll, you know, most people probably could be improved. Their driving habits could probably be improved by a computer. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I'm not casting aspersions on, on your driving I habits. That. I, think. Um, I think it's something that we're going to see very soon. So the, the self-driving car is definitely coming, uh, but we also have to make sure that we're, we're keeping an eye on the security aspects of that so smokescreen can't go and, you know, in, invade your car and, and be crashing it through, you know, garage doors and running people over, anything like that. Just for the record, I'm totally with you on self-driving cars. I think, like, the robots can definitely do it better <laughs> than me. And when I think back to it, it to me, the first self-driving car, the one that really captured my imagination, was from the 80s show Knight Rider. And I can see that you're smiling, that yes. I can see you're, you, you, may be, the, you might be similar to the same vintage that I am. The Night Industries you know, 2000. The Night Industries 2000. For people that don't know Knight Rider, David Hasselhoff's breakthrough role, where he played a sort of like mysterious operator who, who fought bad guys with the help of his talking car kit. Our story producer, David Swanson, recently had the chance to talk to the voice of Kit, actor William Daniels. And if you don't know William Daniels, not only was he the voice of Kit, but he was also was in many other roles. He was Dustin Hoffman's dad in the, in the movie The Graduate. Uh, he was the mean Dr. Craig in the, in the long-running TV show St. Elsewhere. He more recently played Mr. Feeney in Boy Meets World. He got to speak to William Daniels over the phone from his home in Los Angeles. And I want to play you a little bit of that now. So how did you get the role of Kit 2000? And the producer called me and said, listen, Bill, I'm, I'm, come, I'm going to New York to pitch a show to the sponsors, and I wonder if you'd come over 
and read a little copy. It's only a few pages, um, and I can take it to to them in New York. And I said, uh, sure. So I went over and he handed me these pages, and I looked at it. I looked at it and I looked at him and I said, this is the voice of a car? And he said, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so I started and he said, listen, could you make it like a robot? I said, no. Mm -mm. And I kept reading in a little bit more. He said, how about that voice of Ma Be I said, would you just let me read it, please? We did it and I forgot about it because I thought it was pretty silly to have a talking car. And the damn thing went and became kind of an iconic kind of thing. Did you watch the show yourself? I have to confess, no, I didn't. I didn't watch St. Elsewhere either. Uh, I don't like to watch myself on television because I'm always unhappy with what I see. So why punish myself? Let, let the audience be punished. I, I don't want to be punished. I'm just trying to make a living. Some people have made the argument that the computerization of cars and the idea of a self-driving car can be traced all the way back to Knight Rider and the impact of Kit 2000. So what do you say to that? I uh, shiver to think about a self-driving car, but, you know, I mean, if it makes a mistake, what do you do? Kick it in the wheels or, uh, I don't know. <laughs> if you're able to, if you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. William Daniels not wanting to take credit for uh, being the granddaddy of self-driving cars. But I, I, I still give it to him. Uh, you know, I can appreciate the humility. So, so Bruce, I'm going to put all this to the test. In a few moments, I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to fly to Seattle and I'm meeting with a guy named Craig Smith. And we've organized for him to hack a rental car. I'm going to pick up at the airport and we're going to a performance racing school uh, to see how this goes. So... If I don't see you again, it's been a pleasure. I hope you're getting insurance on the rental. Oh, I'm going to get all the insurance money can buy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wish me luck. Good luck. It's around 10 o'clock in the morning. I flew into Seattle late last night. I picked up a rental car at the airport, and I'm in that same rental car right now on my way to Craig Smith's hacker garage. Craig Smith is a hacker, and he's the guy who has literally written the book on car hacking, the Car Hacker's Handbook. And what Craig has promised to demo to me today is how to hack a car. And, and there have been car hacking demos done in the past, but most of the times these really big spectacular hacks were done with specific makes and models of cars that the hackers involved had already sort of specked out, so they were ready and able to make them do all sorts of crazy things. What we're going to try today is a little bit different. We want to see how hackable an average car is. A car that I've chosen at random out of the car rental lot at the airport. And to make it even more average, the way we're going to hack it is through the diagnostic port, which I'll cop to not totally understanding. But I'm told that most cars made within the last 20 years or so have one of these things. So what we're going to try today isn't just applicable on the fanciest of the fancy. It's something that could potentially be done to any car. All of which would be great if I can actually find this place, which is my next job. So I'm here in a hacker garage in Seattle with Craig Smith. And Craig, you've brought out a bunch of toys before we hop into the car and actually do a live car hacking demonstration. 
So in front of us is a, a hacking bench, and it looks to me, it's a, uh, why don't you describe what it looks like? I can't even describe it. <laughs> so these are parts pulled from a junkyard. And this is actually the way that security researchers do their job. We don't, we don't actually get a real car and drive around in the car while it's working. Uh, that, that would be dangerous. Um, what we do instead is we build a bench um, that we can focus on and do our testing there. So yeah, it, it looks like the dashboard of your car. Yeah, it's just a, it's just your gauges attached to a piece of plywood <laughs> with a bunch of other wires and some boards uh, just to make it all work. Okay, so and you're you have your laptop beside it. I do. And is your laptop hooked up to this to the bench? Yeah, and so my laptop is currently hooked up um, to what would be the equivalent of the connector uh, that you would use when you're getting your emissions checked. And this is because cars are so digital now, so when you take them to the garage to get checked out, they just hook this up and they can tell what's wrong? Yeah, so there was a standard uh, made in 1996 um, by the EPA. Uh, it's for emissions. And the emission standard basically defined a certain set of wires uh, to talk back digitally to the, the main, we'll call it the main brain of the okay. car. But because... You know, we have this high-speed network that was basically required uh, to be inside the vehicle. The car manufacturers start using for other things. I mean, why not? It's there. And, you know, you're not getting your emissions checked very often. We've already ran the wires. And so this is where you get this really interesting piece where you can then connect to these wires that are originally just meant for emissions and control all kinds of things. Well, let, let's see what you can do. All right. Um, we'll, we'll do, let's do gas as an average. So right now the gas gauge is on empty. Yes. And so we'll, we'll give it gas. Now this one usually takes a little bit longer because gas is an average. <laughs> that didn't take long at all. And now it's at full. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. So I, I'm driving thinking, thinking I'm full, but actually it's totally empty. It's totally empty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. We can do RPMs too. Now yeah. RPMs, you'll see it'll be more sporadic. So, so oh, okay. So, so the RPM was at zero. Yes, and now we're, we yeah, will max it out. This particular signal uh, in, in certain one of these cars will actually cause the engine to rev. You would you'd physically hear it revving. So this would actually be revving the engine that high? Yes. Oh, that would be so scary. Yeah, it's, every car is different, um, but this particular car, it would be revving my engine. It's funny, now that I'm just, I'm just watching the RPM meter go up and down and have this fight between you know, good and evil. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Peter. Um, I have to admit, I'm having second thoughts about the uh, the live test we're about to do. I'm excited by it, but it, it seems slightly more terrifying now. Yes, that's why we don't do this. Okay. We, we, <laughs> we, we don't do live testing. We, we do testing on test benches and um, usually just on components, the components we're focused on. Because um, when you add all these other components, you know, you're, you're adding more unknowns. And So, you know, what we've decided to keep this as safe as possible is is we needed a controlled environment. So we're going to head to a performance driving school in Seattle where they booked off a private space for us where we can try this at the road without killing ourselves. Hopefully, that's the plan anyway. <laughs> Have you done this before? Um, typically, I don't do it on road. Um, I definitely don't, wouldn't do it on public road. We, we, there's usually no reason to do this on a track. <laughs> but, you know, you want to do it. You want to do it. Okay, so, so I'm your guinea pig. Is that yeah, I don't do this. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, um, I feel totally freaked out. So uh, um, what, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Uh, well, I mean, if you keep your speed low, you, you should be fine. I, I mean, the airbags don't go off. You should be fine. <laughs> what do you mean the airbags? Well, is that know, an option? That, that, is, that is a potential there's potential capabilities of uh, when you're sending random data to a vehicle you haven't tested prior, yes, you, you could have the airbags fire. Oh my God, this suddenly seems like a horrible idea. <laughs> Shall we? Yeah, sure, let's do this. Okay.
Explain to me what what we're going to be doing. So I have um, I have a box here uh, that I brought with me, and this particular device is kind of set up to perform certain types of tests, and these are just kind of generic tests that you know for the most part doesn't require a certain make, model, or year to work. It could potentially do nothing, or it could do something really crazy. Um, we won't know until we try it. I want to take a look at your car first and just uh, see where all the connections are, all that good stuff. Okay, so you are under the steering wheel and you're hooking it in. Is that so? Is that where they would hook in, or the garage would hook in the cable to to test things? Yeah, if they wanted to see like why your engine light was on, or if you're doing emissions testing, that's the diagnostic port. Yep. All right. So I have a couple of things here. Here's the box you're gonna have. This little black box. The way this switch is designed, if you have this switch up and say the airbags do deploy, it should hit the top of the switch and causing it to turn back off. That, that doesn't. That doesn't help. That's the safety. That's the best you get. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. You want to hop in? We'll do some just initial tests. <laughs> Not really. Okay. So what? What so am I, I doing here? Just start it on. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a test with the car not moving, just kind of see how it reacts, because um, that would be the safest thing to do. And so we're going to go ahead and see. We're going to look at the dashboard. Um, that's where I think we'll see something. Whoa, my screen is just doing funky things. Yeah, it looks like the car is shut down now. So it took a couple seconds. Um, you saw the instrument cluster start acting up. Um, there's some hill assist stuff, messages like that kicked in. Pretty much all your lights are on now, and then the engine itself is shut down. So you're just confusing the car. Yes, yes. And so we're gonna we're gonna turn that off. Um, so just from those initial tests, it looks like I think uh, it it will definitely cause some issues. Uh, airbags didn't go off, so bonus. <laughs> so, so that could have happened just now. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the heads up, by the way. Yeah, more funny if you didn't know. <laughs> All right, so you want to do a test while yeah. driving? I'll, I'll sit inside with you. You're going to sit inside? It's up to you. Yeah, sure. That okay. means if the airbags are going off. So I'm putting on my seatbelt. Yeah, that's good. Okay, we're slowly, I'm slowly going forward. Oh, man. All right, so on the straightaway, we'll try it. So you ready? Uh, sure. Okay. okay, so the same lights are going off, the surface tire pressure on my monitor. I've just lost whatever my information screen is. Yeah, so now the car is sending me all sorts of signals. It's turned off various things. It's beeping. Gas is showing nothing. RPMs oh, yeah. It shows, <laughs> so now I have no gas, it says. No miles per hour. No miles per hour. <laughs> it's taken over my speedometer. It's taken over my RPMs. Everything is zero. My engine temperature is at the, like, frigid. It's like the Arctic. It's pretty good. It's handling it fairly well. It seems like mostly the electronics in this particular car is what's being affected. So, yeah, I mean, you're kind of driving blind uh, with no speedometer and everything. But physically, the car seems to be functioning okay. Yeah. So is this is sort of is this the max of, of how you could take over a car like this, you think? No, this is just a, a very blind way of just kind of seeing if you took one particular bus, the one used for your um, emissions checks, and you basically took that out of the vehicle or confused that particular bus, how would the car react? Uh, now, it's, it's so interesting. It just, it's almost like you're just taking over, you're just jamming all of the, all of the technology. Yeah. And again, it varies on the car as to what you end up jamming. Um, in this particular case, it's mainly the, seems like the, the instrument cluster, some of the more high-tech pieces is what's getting jammed. Okay. Well, so far, I have to admit, this doesn't 
feel as bad as I thought it would. I had these visions of, of, of going home with a broken nose uh, and being steered off the road. Yeah, luckily um, with this car, you, you, that wasn't the problem. Um, but sometimes that is an issue. So I have a feeling that if you went into my car with this little black box and hooked it up to my thing and put it on the seat beside me, I, w I would notice that and I would be suspicious that something's going on and I probably wouldn't get in the car. But is, is, is there any sort of real life um, thing that this would emulate? Would this actually be be a threat or this particular box no um, but as a like a, an attacker you know you could put a device that isn't as long as this um, inside the vehicle uh, you could attach it to where you wouldn't even notice it underneath the uh, dash like for instance if your steering column has the ability to do like lane assist uh, that means the computer can control the steering wheel uh, and that's a very powerful motor that controls turning the steering wheel left and right and so if I can fake those signals and control the steering for you it'd be really hard for you as a human to correct it. And could you control this remotely so you would actually have timing control as to when these things happen? You could plug something in that would give you cellular uh, capabilities. Um, that's, a, that's something that would work. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be all that great for video, but it, it would allow you to kind of send signals while being anywhere in the world. So thank you for not making that a completely terrifying ride. Good, good. I'm glad nothing really bad happened. I appreciate your caution. Craig, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Okay, so I'm back with, uh, with Bruce Snell, the Cybersecurity and Privacy Director for, for McAfee. Bruce, I can't even tell you how relieved I am <laughs> that, uh, you know, not only am I not dead, that's definitely number one on my checklist, Good. but that the airbags didn't go off and A, break my nose, and B, I had this vision of going back to the Seattle airport to the car return place <laughs> and having to explain to them, no, I didn't get in an accident, I just asked somebody to hack the car, and that's why I have the broken nose. So none of that happened I can't count my lucky stars. <laughs> well, no, that's good. You're lucky. You're lucky. So, you know, I'm a little less afraid because it seems that um, if a guy was there in my passenger seat with a box attached to my car, I'm probably going to notice him. So I, I, right. I now feel like I'm putting that away. But, you know, I do know that there's some other, you know, monkey business. My question to you is, you know, what are the things that that we can do to protect ourselves so that car hacking doesn't happen. Is there anything? And so it really does come down to the manufacturers having to make sure that they're um, using secure programming methods. Uh, you know, if we think back to the Jeep hack that happened, what was that, two years ago, um, that was taking advantage of a software vulnerability in the infotainment system, right, in the software there, and they use that to jump over into the car's control systems. So a lot of this is down to, you know, connectivity, you know, making sure that if you don't need to connect something, you don't connect it. Um, like physically connect it or connect it online or, or both? Both, both, right? So, okay. I mean, for one, obviously I'm a, a I don't know what I, if I want to use the term technologist, but I, you know, I enjoy technology. But I do think you do hit a point where you need to really look, take a step back and say, do I really need to have my car that connected to the internet? 
right? I think that cars should, you know, aside from GPS and, you know, in radio, et cetera, uh, I think there needs to be a limit to the amount of connectivity that cars have uh, to the, the, wild, the wild world of the internet. Okay, and, wh- and what about these, these dongles? Is there, is there a risk that, you know, these dongles could be infected or have malware in them or, or you know, even unintentionally screw with our cars? So, fun fact, dongle is one of my favorite technology words. <laughs> Excellent. The other is scuzzy. I love scuzzy. the word scuzzy. Um, Very nice. I'll, a, I'll try and drop it in conversation. Yeah, or time. even a scuzzy dongle, right? You can throw <laughs> that around. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, definitely make sure that, you know, when you get in your car, there's not some guy in, in the backseat with his laptop snaked into and plugged into the underneath your dashboard. So always okay, look for that. Write, write that down. Yeah, make no, sure it's, it's no difficult guy. to remember. But no, seriously, uh, definitely don't go plugging things in, uh, you know, willy-nilly. Definitely, if you have to use one of those devices, use it and then get rid of it or remove it. Okay, so if I got you straight, your two tips are, number one, don't connect your car to the internet. There's no real compelling reason to do it and and monkey business can happen. And number two, if you got to connect a dongle, sorry to use the term, uh, use it, let it do its thing, and then unplug it. That's right. Absolutely. You don't want to, you don't need to leave it in there. And because that's just the odds of it actually being infected and, and taking over your car by via smokescreen is, is probably pretty low, but it's just, you're, you're safer off just removing it anyway. Okay. So I'm reading from all of this, given that I don't want to connect my car to the internet and I wouldn't even know where to plug a dongle in that I'm pretty safe. Oh yeah, I think so. I think you're 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 okay for now. Thank you. I'm going to go drive my new car. Thank you so much, Bruce. Yeah, thank you. I'm Jeff Siskind and you've been listening to Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee. You can You know that that didn't that didn't sound right. Hold on. Let me just see if my car can do a better job of this. Um Kit Sign off for us. This is Kit 2000, and you've been listening to Hackable. That's great, but it's actually Hackable with a question mark at the end. Can you can you try something like that? Hackable? Yeah. No, I can't. I'm sorry. Okay, all good then. If you like the show and you want to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And for those of you too young to remember Knight Rider and you want to know what Kit looks like, well, visit us at hackablepodcast.com. Not only will you get to see a photo of Kit, a.k.a. the coolest car in the world, but you'll also get exclusive behind-the-scenes info about car hacking not shared in the podcast. That's hackablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, take care. Thanks. You too, Kit.